All right, so last week, I'm going to take a quote from Gary Bradshaw. We can only expect God to move beyond our imagination if we appropriate, which I had to look up the word because I'm like, appropriate? It says, to take exclusive possession of his love by faith, which then positions us to be empowered by Holy Spirit and then to be filled to the full measure of God. Don't you love that? Come on, that's a quote. You can all take a photo and then post it on, online. Now I'm teasing. <laughs> so this is a positioning that Gary spoke of. I don't know if you remember he had all those, if you were here last week, those stands that he lined up, our beacons that would help us make right decisions. And the beacons were the assurance of our salvation because if you can't move forward if you're not assured. His word, the prophetic friends and counsel and then spouse. And I said to Gary, well, why did you put friends first? And he was like, no, because some people are married. I was like, yeah, all right, okay. So if you have a spouse, your spouse goes first, (laughs) then your friends. And this is basically us walking out in the spirit. So I don't know if you remember, this is for Paul's sake, the little pictures that Gary did for us. I upgraded them. I couldn't cope with his house the last time. So I upgraded it slightly. All right, so we are built together as a temple. Do we actually know that? (laughs) Spirit lives in us. We're going to speak a bit more about that today. And it's through our faith in God and Jesus dwelling in us that we are able to comprehend his love. Then we are strengthened and reinforced with the power from Holy Spirit. Don't you love that? Gary's like, well, why is things going off the page? Because that's what we do. We go off the page. We're not stuck. We're living beyond imagination. <laughs> and then we need to experience and encounter the fullness of God. And I think some of us get kind of com- stuck at the comprehension of his love. And then we get stuck at, we, we can't always be reinforced. Um, and then some of us are also stuck at the experience of the fullness of God. Um, so today I'm going to touch a little bit about that. So Alexander, Paul, and Gary have kind of given you quite a big overarching kind of picture of what the prophetic is. Um, today I want to be a little bit more specific. And I said in the, the, the prayer meeting that I wanted to drum it down and kind of speak for us people who don't always understand what everybody else is saying. Like, can you say it another way? So I'm going to do visual pictures, Paulie. All right, so I want to give us the basics of when we talk about what is prophesying, what does prophetic mean, what, is, like, what exactly do we mean when we use these words as Christians? And then I also want us to understand what the, the essence or the nature of the prophetic is. So I just want to clarify, so there can be a little bit of confusion when it comes to the prophetic, because so, we hear about prophets, so the prophet you all kind of know where I'm going with this. So there's two kind of aspects to the prophetic in the Bible. So the one is the office of a prophet, the Ephesians 4 gifting. And not everyone's called to that. And this person is a gift. The person is a gift as a prophet. He doesn't receive a gift. He is the gift or she is the gift. Um, And their job or their goal is to equip the church. All right? for the works of ministry and service. And they are foundation builders. They build layers in the church for us. Um, I think that some of the prophets that we see who give big prophetic words aren't necessarily operating in the gift of the prophet. I think we have more prophets who are undercover than what we realize. So let's not worry about that. Let's put that off the table. Let's not worry about whether you're a prophet or not. I, I, I wanna, th- that is not what the series is about from my understanding. This is about us. This morning, what happened this morning when Justin was praying and we were all praying behind him? That is us being prophetic. And I'll explain why I say that. Um, I really don't like getting old. My... St- My iPad screen is getting smaller and smaller. No, I think my eyes are getting worse and worse. Um, We need to be able to learn how to co-labor with Holy Spirit and bring heaven to earth. 
All right. And also, we need to actually put on some new lenses when it comes to the prophetic. We need new covenant lenses to see through what the prophetic means, what the Bible means about that. What is this gift for? Is it a gift? Is it available for everybody? Um, Why does it look so different for different people? Um, So, we're going to look at more detail. We're going to unpack this a little bit more, and we're going to go into it. And uh, my clicker has just walked away. Okay, can you go into the next slide? All right, so, I found this amazing book. It's written by a guy called David Edwards. It's called Activating the Prophetic Lifestyle. So if, if you want to understand more of the prophetic and kind of normal language, read this book. It's amazing. He has a friend, and his friend is Blake Healy. If you've ever read The Veil. So I was like, ooh, this guy knows Blake. He's going to speak in my language. And it was, it was a good book. So if you want to read it, it's an amazing book. I've got a lot of my, I think, my language for, for today from his, his book. So prophecy is the content Uh, I don't know why. Can you go back one, please? Okay. Prophecy is the content of a prophetic word. It actually, through your prophetic word, you actually set into motion the words that you speak. It sets itself into motion. Think about that. Through the content, the words become activated to be able to get fulfilled. I love this. So let's read it again. Prophecy is the content of a prophetic word. It's through this word that sets itself into motion. And it's through speaking the content that the very words being spoken or being used become activated to be fulfilled. So in other words, we have to speak the stuff out. And Kerry's going to talk about that, about the power of our words. Are you ready? Not now. (laughs) So your content of your prophetic word that you are given reveals heaven to people. How awesome is that? This reminds me of, and Charmaine always teases me because I generally always find something in Genesis because that's our, our picture of what God wants us. So we all know it says in the beginning, God prepared, he formed, he fashioned And he created the heavens and the earth. And earth was without form. And it was an empty waste and darkness was upon the face of the earth. Or the very great deep. That's weird language, eh? This is prophetic language. When when the Bible speaks about the heavens, they're not talking about the sky. They're talking about the spiritual realm. Because remember, it says the heavens and the earth. Um, when it talks about without form in an empty wasteland, it's talking about nothing, an asp- some, a substance without God. And then it says, which is what I love, the Spirit of God was moving, hovering and brooding over the face of the waters. Then we all know God, it goes into the days of creation where God spoke, let there be light. So what we take from that is that the Spirit of God was waiting, hovering, moving, over this nothing, over the deep, over the absence of, and waiting for God to speak his words. So as soon as he spoke his words, the Spirit of God hovered over that. He brooded. Brooded is to bring life over the very words, the essence of God's words, and he activated. And then we saw creation. Prophecy. This is um, David Edwards, the guy who... He wrote the book. He says, prophecy is essentially sharing God's thoughts, plans, and dreams for individuals, groups, and cultures. It is also commonly described as a foretelling and a forthtelling. It is peering into the future, seeing what will happen, and then speaking that out in the present. So that, that's still like, okay, I can deal with those words. I can understand how... But what has that got to do with me? You know, I'm just this normal kippy person who, what do I do? So, let's break it down. Let's get into some stuffs. All right, so what exactly is prophecy? When we say that somebody is prophesying over a person, it's simply the act of delivering a prophetic word. All right? Um, 
it's the word of revelation is another way of saying it. Um, and you can you see it here in the church the last couple of weeks. People were coming up and delivering words of revelation or prophetic words. So that's what we say when we say to prophesy. Um, it's it's considered here's this word revelatory gift. All right, revelatory gift is obviously to bring a revelation. But what does revelation mean? So revelation is. Um, in the in the dictionary, it talks about how it's uh, speaking about or bringing something that is previously concealed or unknown, or God speaking to a human. All right, so that's the revelatory gift that we have. So I want to break some mindsets here for us today. Who believes that the prophetic, the prophecy or being prophetic, is for everyone? He believes it's for you. Okay, so there's quite a few of you who actually don't believe that, to be, that you're not able to be prophetic, that you don't, you're not in that category. All right, so this is why I want to speak to you today. In 1 Corinthians 12, it speaks about this spiritual gifts. Again, we're talking about gifts from heaven. Um, and it says that, do we understand that the prophetic gift is a gift which is free, by the way? Um, nothing in this world, earthly world is free, but there's a lot of heavenly gifts that are free. Um, and all we need to do is receive. All right. So I think that everyone who didn't put up your hand, you need to repent of that lie. It's a lie that you cannot receive the gift of prophecy. It's a lie from the pit of hell because the enemy doesn't want us to be prophetic. Why? Because we'll change the world. It's available to all believers. If you don't believe me, go read 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 13 and you come back to me and you argue with me about the fact that Jesus isn't saying that this gift isn't for you. It says to all believers. It doesn't say some. It doesn't say some with a more inclination towards that. It doesn't say maybe some of you. It says all believers. Every single person sitting here today, man, woman, and child, by the way, have the gift of prophecy as a gift, and it's free. Why aren't we using it? Because we don't understand it. We're scared of it. I was very scared of it. So in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 31, it says not everyone is a an apostle or a prophet or a teacher. So they're speaking about the Ephesians four giftings. And not everyone can maybe perform a miracle. Not everyone can speak in tongue or interpret tongues. But you should all constantly boil over, and this is from the Passion Translation, with a passion in seeking the higher gifts. Or in other things, it says, earnestly desire that we are told to pursue these gifts, to run after them. So I'm hoping that you're all feeling suitably smacked on the head, at the backside of your head, because actually we are all called to be prophetic. Every single person here today, if Jesus resides in you, you're called. You have the ability to be prophetic. Okay, so where does our ability come from? Our ability comes from the residence of Holy Spirit within us. So this is probably where some of us have um, issues as well. So do we understand that all of Holy Spirit is available to us? Not some, not, but every part of Holy Spirit. What he comes with, who he is, is available to us. This is an open invitation. It's a beautiful thing. So he invites, as much as you, he's resident in you because of Jesus, he is inviting you to be resident in him. That means he wants you to abide in him, to live, to dwell. This comes when we encounter Jesus. So 
When we encounter Jesus, we go, oh my gosh, who's this guy? This guy is amazing. We encounter Jesus as a human. We encounter Jesus as God. And through that, we encounter Holy Spirit. Okay. So the goal of the prophetic. So who needs encouragement for their life right now? Who needs a little bit of like, I need courage to like wake up tomorrow or go to work or <laughs> help me not kill my children? No, I'm kidding. No, well, some days. Um, who needs almost like, who feels like they just need to be able to have hope? Who needs that? Come on, guys. We all do. So the goal of the prophetic is to build up, edify, encourage. And then there's another aspect is to be able to open up the spiritual realms for us. Chris Vallotton makes a comment where he says, the prophecy is able to open up worlds for us, open up a world of hope, open up a world of another realm where we can access. So if the goal is to build up the church, like in 1 Corinthians 14, it says the goal is to build up the church or us or people. This is actually not really about us. <laughs> so it's everything is about you. And actually, like I tell my kids, it's actually not about you at all. Do you know that we are in God's family? So our family is big and messy. There's four kids. It's crazy. It's whatever. But, you know, it's not about the individual. It's about So I think about Jordan. Jordan is my oldest. He's now 18. He's writing prelims now. And um, who he is affects our house in a good or bad way. Um, We've got a a 16-year-old daughter, and sometimes who she is affects our house. She'll probably kill me. But it's like in a good way and sometimes not in a good way. So who you are in the body of Christ affects the body of Christ in a good way or in a bad way. Your identity doesn't come from you being an individual in God's family. It's a Hebraic way of thinking that your identity comes from being in the family of God. First and foremost, being a child of God. But your identity comes being with your siblings and being with your family and being with your community. So when it comes to being prophetic, it's not about you. So when you choose to keep quiet, to say... um, I used to be scared of like delivering prophetic words and being like speaking into the microphone, ironically. So I would keep quiet. And eventually I said to God, you need to stop giving me stuff because I don't want to do it anymore because I'm tired of saying no to you. How sad is that? But what I did was I stopped blessing flowing from me to others. So because it was so much about me, I stopped blessing others. And then I went so far as to say, God, I don't want you to give it to me anymore. Boy, did I have to repent of that. Because that's a lie. The lie is it's about you as an individual. So therefore, you either don't want to get it wrong. Okay, I'll tell you a funny story. So about getting stuff wrong. So we were traveling um, to a funny little... We were going to um, Nelspreet. Remember that trip we went up to Nelspreet and then we stopped at that little... It's not even a town, it was like a mine, and there was this tiny little church. So we stopped there, and I felt for this one couple that um, God was going to give them a child or something. It was, I can't remember, but it was, I can't remember the details, but I was so wrong. Oh, I felt she was pregnant. I was like, oh, you're pregnant? No. Do you want to be pregnant? No. Oh, boy, did I feel so stupid. But it's okay. It's all right. Guess what? I learned to ask God more questions after that, <laughs> before I gave the word. So I was like, ah, oh. another story. Bronner, can I, I'll give a, about Phelan. Okay. So this was a few years ago, and um, uh, we were away at a conference. There were a whole bunch of us from Lifehouse there. We were at this conference, and I feel, I'm sitting behind Justin and, and Bronner, and I feel God say to me, quite clearly, randomly, out the blue, I'm going to give them a son, a boy. I was like, huh? Where'd that come from? Oh, 
So I was like, oh gosh, yo, wow, that's huge. So then I called Justin Brown, oh, that's Justin Brown, and then I chickened it out. Because <laughs> it was so specific. I was like, oh, what happens if I'm wrong? So then I chickened out completely, and I just said, oh, no, I don't feel like I could say it, so I didn't share it with him at all. Then about, I don't know how many months later, we get a call from Justin and Bron, and they're like, guys, we're pregnant. <laughs> and I don't know, maybe they wouldn't have been as shocked if I had given them that word. Maybe it was just like God saying to me, you know what, Louise, it's okay. Because I'd been wrong before. And... So I don't think that if we are so hung up about whether we're perfect in this, we're going to miss it as well. And we're going to miss blessing people in that. So guess what? It's not about us. It's all about Holy Spirit. Because he's the one who distributes. He's the one who activates. He's the one who operates these different giftings in all of us. And he's the one who chooses for each believer to operate in that gifting. So guess what, guys? It's not about you. But it is about you responding. Okay. It's the same, this is First Corinthians, it's the same Holy Spirit who continues to distribute. Continues, people. This hasn't stopped. Continues to distribute many varieties of gifts. The Lord Yahweh is one, and he is the one who apportions. He is the one who apportions. He is the one who gives out to different to the believers different varieties of ministries. It's not our choice whether we get a more prophetic gifting or whether we get a gift of healing. It's not actually up to us. That's God's job. It's the same God who, different, who distributes different kinds of miracles that accomplish different results through each believer's gift and ministry. As he energizes and he activates. Again, it's not about you. Each believer is given continuous revelation by Holy Spirit to benefit not just himself, but to benefit all. So if we can get off our high horses about us and get onto God's horse about what he's doing and how he chooses to do it and how he chooses and who he chooses it through, jeez, I think we'll have a whole lot more fun. Then we might not have so much jealousy within the church about who's getting more gifting and who doesn't. We might not have jealousy whether that person's getting more prophetic words than somebody else and I'm not maybe it'll settle some of our insecurities when it comes to this kind of thing. The incredible thing is our prophetic words are not empty and they're not void. If you can understand and take away that every word you speak from the prophetic realm, that content that you are speaking is soaked in Holy Spirit, His activation, And he is the one who brings it to life. How much more will we be careful about our words, but how much more will we choose to speak out when it comes to this kind of thing? So, won't it be thrilling if we start responding to Holy Spirit, getting over our fear and stepping out, and when we start recognizing and learning to hear the voice of Holy Spirit, however he chooses to speak to you, And then we respond in obedience and start speaking that out. Can you imagine the changed world around us? And guess what? You know, God's gifts are abundant. The word abundance is used a lot when it comes to God. So it's not like somebody gets a prophetic word. Then most prophetic words can be timelessly done for that time. But there are a lot more prophetic words that are so multi-layered. And I think of Quinton now, of the prophetic words we've spoken over him. They're so multi-layered that there's timing in different layers for them. It 
It's layered in that when you get blessed, when you give it, and God can speak to you through you giving a prophetic word to somebody else. The abundance and the exponential growth and the exponential giving and generosity of God through a prophetic word, as you start to explore, will blow your brain. So the content, I've spoken about the content of the prophetic word. Let's delve into that. So when you speak a prophetic word, you are revealing the heavenly realm to somebody else. The Bible speaks about the unseen realm. And as I said before, when it speaks about the kingdom of God, when it speaks about the heavenly realm, when it speaks about that, it's speaking about the unseen realm. So in the spiritual realm, which is what probably we refer to, the spiritual realm There's also different dimensions in that. The heavenly realm is where God resides. The spiritual realm is where angels and demons and kind of the interaction with earth is here. Heavenly realm resides in us. We reveal the nature, the passion, and the heart of God when we speak a prophetic word over somebody. At times, it does reveal a divine truth which maybe that person is unknown to them that they are needing to hear. It always speaks out a kingdom perspective. And it enables us to release heaven over ourselves and others. Prophecy is speaking what will happen. And when we do that, it enables us to to release the influence of heaven. Should you not be a little bit excited about this? Think about this. God is co-laboring with us. And he's going, guys, not only have I saved you, but I want you to impact the world. I've given you a power tool that is compared to nothing else. We have Jesus. We have Holy Spirit. And yet we're still so passive as a church. I'm talking the body of Christ. If this can come into our hearts and our minds and our souls and break in and open up, Flip will be a different community. So when people speak about the prophetic lifestyle, we move from hearing words, speaking them out, then we move into the, another realm, and this is called the prophetic lifestyle. This is when we start living out what God has told us. So when I talk about these other realms, our Western minds take a little bit of a... We start clicking and glitching, and we're like, oh. See, the Western or the Greek mindset is like, let's separate the spiritual world from the physical world, because we actually can't cope it's too, it's, um, it like, it freaks, I think our brains just glitch and then fall apart. I don't know if you've seen record Rolf, Rolf, where he's like, she starts glitching. I think we start glitching when we start talking about angels and demons, and everybody gets a little scared, and it becomes a little freaky, and then there's a bit of weirdness. I love it. <laughs> okay, first thing to remember, who are you seated with? What did Gary speak on last week? I'm from Ephesians. Come on, guys. Who are you? Where are you seated? Where? You're seated with Jesus. Where? Heavenly realms. What did I say the heavenly realms was? Where God resides. That's where you currently now are seated. Physically, you're here. Spiritually, that's where you are. That's where you belong. That's who you are. That's what gives you your identity. Can you believe that? In, um, if you go and read Hebrews 4 in the Passion Translation, but even in any other translation, it talks about how we can access, walk into the throne room of heaven with some translations talk about with boldness and courage. But the Passion Translation says we have access to the where love sits enthroned. Why? Because that's our dad. 
Do you know, any kid who, um, whose dad owns like a big corporate or owns a, has a business, have you ever watched those kids walk into their parents' businesses? Like they own the place, right? We need a little bit of that attitude so we can walk into heaven as if we own the place. Because guess what we do? Through Jesus, we don't have to get escorted into heaven. We walk straight and we have straight access to our Father. Every day, 24-7, any time of the day. That's where we get revelation. So our viewpoint starts to change. And um, I was thinking about, you know, how we, we told we're ambassadors for the kingdom of God. Have you ever seen in movies where, um, and this is the, um, the not-so-good example of it, but when um, somebody who has diplomatic immunity, do you know those guys? And they tend to get away with things. Because the, the, the laws of the country that they are living in but they're not citizens of, don't apply to them. Guess what? We have diplomatic immunity in this, in this world. Physical laws of this country don't apply to us. Come on, guys, think about this. Not for you to do wrong, but for you to do right. For you to extend the kingdom of God. So the physical laws... The ruler of this world doesn't, we have diplomatic immunity against him. In many ways, the Bible says he cannot touch us. Why do you think he does touch us? Why? Because we believe the lie he can touch us. He, his only access is through a lie, through us as believers. And we have way too many lies in our heads about who we are, who God is, and what the enemy can do for us. It's time we start taking back that territory first within ourselves so that we can start taking back the territory that is guaranteed for us. That is our calling, our inheritance is the rest of the world. We are called to extend his kingdom. Come on. The physical world <laughs> is real. In fact, it's far more real than what we as the physical world see. Why? Because it's superior. And the reason why it's superior is because it's eternal. Everything here will fade and pass away. Even plastic. Eternity resides in every single one of you. And it's time to access the eternity that's living inside of you. It's time to access the power that's residing in front, in, inside of you. And it's time to, to access all of that so we can change the world. And then get rid of plastic as well. We, we simply cannot be dualistic in our thinking anymore when it comes to the spiritual realm. We have to ask God to shift our paradigm, and we have to ask God to change the way we think about this and renew our minds so that we can get a glimpse into the heavenly realms more and more and more. And it's not just a glimpse, then we start living there and we start breathing there. And when we come back down, we impact and we shift atmospheres here. So the guy, David Edwards, gives a, um, an example of a paper plane. Who knows how to... I, I'm shockingly horrible at folding them and making them fly. I know, I remember Gary used to do it for the kids all the time. They loved it. So if you picture a paper plane before it's folded, and on the paper plane is you and me and the church, and then God, Holy Spirit flies the paper plane. What happens to our vision if we were to be on that plane? Do you think our perspective would change somewhat? So when you're flying in an actual aeroplane, you get to see the curvature of the earth, don't you? You get to see some of that. Why? Because your perspective is higher and it's changed. That is what the prophetic does for us. That is what when we go into heaven, when, when I talk about when we go into heaven, I can see people going, Huh? When you start thinking about Jesus and what he's done for you, when you start thinking, oh my gosh, Jesus, you're so generous. When you start thinking on him, you start accessing the heavenly realm. When you start thinking about his character, when you start thinking about who he is, what he's done for you, 
you start accessing the heavenly realm. When you pray and you think about him, that's what it is. That's what we're doing. You're going into heaven. And then you get a different perspective, and we fly up there, and we'll be able to see what God sees and how he sees things. Then we, we come into land, and we tell the people on earth the things that we've seen. The problem is it's like a different, completely different culture. It's foreign to us, isn't it? The language, the prophetic language, it's weird. If you read some of the books of the Bible, you're like, what are they going on about? The problem is it's a different culture. It's a different land. It's a different realm. We need to learn the language. So we can't extend something that we can't clarify in our own heads. We can't extend something that we don't necessarily understand. And the Word of God is that thing. The Word of God helps us. There are so many books written today. We actually have no excuse today. We have so much information that helps us clarify the prophetic realm, the language that God is speaking. That's what Adam Thompson did for us. That's why prophetic words, dreams, and visions need interpretation. It's because it, it comes with a different language. So we need to learn it. The onus is on us to do that. Guess what? Jesus has provided all the materials for us to be able to build this temple and be able to do this stuff. You think about David, end of his life, King David. He... He had the blueprints, and he bought all the supplies for the, the temple. He stockpiled everything. But then God said to him, you can't build a temple. Your son will do it. So he handed over everything to his son Solomon. All Solomon asked was for wisdom, understanding on how to rule, how to have dominion. And guess what? He built the temple because his dad supplied all the needs. We have that through Jesus. We have all the supplies, the building materials, everything that we have, the blueprints included. And Jesus is handing us over and we're going, I don't know what to do with that. Our job is to figure out how to build, what to build, and to ask God for wisdom. So Jesus came to earth to prepare a landing strip for Holy Spirit. Guess what? You and you and you and you and you, you are the landing strip for Holy Spirit. It's time we get over our fear of who Holy Spirit is. Holy Spirit here to help us, to nurture us, to comfort us, but also to empower us for godly living. Then we can, then we can, heaven can invade earth. So our responsibility, foundationally, your relationship with God is your foundation for any prophetic anything. Actually, everything is foundational. That comes from your relationship with God. Learn to know his voice. John 10 says his sheep know his voice. Have you ever watched sheep? They really are stupid animals, but the one thing that they're really good at is that they're good at knowing who's going to feed them. <laughs> we watched um, a bucky um, had the food in there, and then they followed the bucky. We need to really be like that with God, Father God. We need to follow him because that's our spiritual food. Guess what, guys? You're spiritual beings. You are as much a spiritual being as you are a physical being. So guess what? You're going to need to feed and nourish your spiritual body even more so. That's why we have been doing, doing spirituality. That's why it's important to pray in tongues. Builds up, feeds. That's why we're saying, read your word. That's why we're doing all of these things. It's not just to make you do more stuff. It's to feed you. We all know there's this health kick that's going on. Got to eat well. What you put in your body is what you, how you're going to, um, how healthy your body is. All that stuff. This goes for spiritual stuff. Even more so important. So. We respond, we desire, and we pursue this gift, but it's always hinged on love. So 1 Corinthians 12, spiritual gifts, blah, 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 blah. 1 Corinthians 14, spiritual gifts, blah, 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 blah. 1 Corinthians 13, what is that? It's the love chapter. has to be hinged on love. We cannot love others until we learn to receive love for ourselves. 
If you take away anything today, take away a choice to decide that you will choose to receive the love of the Father. And you will find out how deep and wide and how much he loves you. Because we can't impact others if we, haven't, we don't know how to experience and receive the love of God for ourselves. Some of us really need to just simply forgive ourselves. Some of us need to forgive others, parents, authority figures. It's time. And our focus, because we love and because we know God's restored us, he's reconciled us back to him, our focus will always be on the new. You know, some people are afraid with prophetic with, with prophecies that oh, it's going to read all my bad stuff. It's not about that. And even if somebody does see it or if you do see it, your focus shouldn't be on the sin. It should always be on the promises of God for people to enable them to work beyond that. It's hard. South Africans, are lo- we love the negative. We love like, oh, your, our crime is worse than yours kind of people. We do. We've taken that on as an identity. We need to get rid of that mindset. We actually need to repent of that. We need to start speaking what the promises that God has over our country, over our people, that actually this country will have the least amount of rape victims in the world, that this country will have the least amount of violence and home abuse. You're all looking at me as if I'm weird. I am an alien. I'm not from this realm. (laughs) So, (laughs) we build up people. We restore. We, We get to partner with God and help restoration in people's lives. It's one of the reasons why I love doing freedom sessions. The privilege we we get to watch people encounter God and get to find out the truth of God and, and get rid of lies is the most incredible privilege. And we don't get to do it. We watch Holy Spirit do it. This is what prophetic, a prophetic word does. You get to speak life soaked with Holy Spirit in his power over that person and watch what God does. So let's be a people who expect to find treasures for people. In heaven. So, uh, my last quote from Graham Cook. As a prophetic people, we are designed to have experience that reveals God for, God for who he is. And experience his affection and enables us to stand and live in his presence. When you connect and impact others with a word from God or from the Lord, you are communicating more than just words. You are communicating the very nature of God, his passion, and his heartbeat. That is a privilege. So I'm going to shift things up today because, you know, the last couple of weeks we've had people who want to receive prophetic words come stand in the front, and I'm going to go and shift it on the head. So close your eyes. Let's pray in tongues for a bit because we want to, now that I've smacked you all around a bit. So what are the... What is the one thing that Holy Spirit has highlighted to you that is a lie that you've believed about the prophetic? Think about that. Whatever it may be. Now I want you to repent of that. I repent, Father, for believing the lie that I am not prophetic. Or I I repent, Father, that... I don't have access to you like others do. I repent of the lie that you, Holy Spirit, don't reside in me because I'm not good enough. Ask him, what is the truth about that lie? Once you've received the truth, say, thank you. I acknowledge that that is true. And I choose to receive that. If you're feeling blocked, maybe you need to forgive somebody. Ask Holy Spirit, who do I need to forgive? If you can't hear, or if you can't see anything. I forgive my mom who taught me to 
always be in control or I don't know, whatever the thing is. She made me feel worthless or he made me, my dad, didn't ever tell me that he loved me. I forgive him for that. So once you've done that, ask God, do you have a gift for me? How are you all doing? That was you just accessing and going into the heavenly realm. It's as simple as that. So, I felt like there were three kinds of people. I haven't decided on whether it's going to be more than one per group, but I feel like today there's a person here who's never given a a prophetic word publicly because of fear. Um, but normally what happens after people have given prophetic words, you're like, oh, Jesus, that's the same as me. So you've often had a confirmation what you're feeling or sensing, but you've never had the courage to actually speak out publicly. So if that's you, I'm going to pick on you. Then there's another person or people who the whole morning... Either like a word or a color or something that has the same theme has popped up. Say, for instance, you've seen the color blue all morning. Or somebody has been highlighted to you this morning. Or just let's just use that pattern. So there's there's a pattern that you've, either if you're visual, like like for me, I'm visual, so I see color quite easily. And then I ask God, what is that for? So somebody, or there are probably more people, who keep seeing the same thing or keep hearing the same thing over and over and over again. It could be a word. It could be a phrase. Okay. And this has happened before, but you've often dismissed it. Okay. And then for the third group, or the first third person, during worship... You've got, you had a picture, you, something randomly came into your head, a picture of something, and then you dismissed it because you didn't know what to do with it and you didn't know what it was for. And he's, Holy Spirit's reminding you now again of that picture. So for the first category, is there anybody here who feels like that? But I know this one's a hard one because this is like a fear factor coming, overcoming. So is there anybody here who often gets confirmation of what they're feeling, but has never been able to speak out stuff. I'll give you some time, because this one's the hardest one. Okay. Somebody who's seen pictures today, or a color, or a phrase, and it's kind of been your theme. I am trying to um, pick on people who don't often do this. So for the more... Season, if nobody else comes in, we'll... Okay, anybody else seeing something? Okay. All right. And then for the third person, so you got a picture in worship, you had this picture, you didn't know what it was, and then you kind of ignored it and moved on. I'm stretching you guys, aren't I? Anybody? So nobody had any pictures in worship? Okay, Derek. All right, so Derek, come up. Warren, come up. Okay. I mean, (laughs) Howard. Sorry, Howard. Come up. And then the first person. Glenn. (laughs) Come on. Okay. All right, so I'm going to put you guys on the spot. Okay. So let's start with Derek. All right. What was your picture this morning? So when we were talking about miracles and re-believing in miracles, I actually saw a picture of Ethan, um, who many of you know has got diabetes, yeah, um, our son. And he's had it since the age of six, so he's had it for 12 years that he's been living with it. I had a picture of him standing here thanking God. For his healing. This is like a very mark ad. Wait, there's more. 
All right. So within, uh, let me just ask Warren, what was your, you were the. Okay, there's a Warren's, something's on Warren. Okay, what is your thing? So I get numbers a lot, like God shares numbers, eights, 18, 88s, and the whole week, 18, yeah. Okay, somebody who's got a, a dream dictionary, look up 18 for me, please. Okay. It's either 10 and an 8 or whatever, okay. All right, Glenn. So you find yourself often getting confirmation, so... People would come up, and you're like, oh, I had that. And then you leave it. Okay. Why? I don't know. Fear. Okay. Do you feel like you fear in being wrong? I suppose that's the, the easiest way to say it, yeah. All right. Cool. Okay. So, within a prophetic word, go to the last slide, love, there's three components all right, we're going to break it down for you. We're going to deconstruct it, as the food people like to do. Deconstructed salad, people? No, deconstructed prophecy. All right, so revelation is the prophetic word. So each one of these, those two guys have spoken about revelation. Glenn's spoken about a revelation that he's got, but he hasn't done anything with it. Okay, so I'm going to help you here. All right, um, did you get anything this morning, by the way, when you were... T- Praying for Justin. I don't know if it's prophetic, but um, I was out at the window, and there was a, um, a bird. I was just trying to think of what type it was. No, it wasn't a plover. And it was on one of those split poles around the septic tank. And when Justin was talking about a little Quentin, the bird swooped down low and then shot straight back up. So whether that's got something about his, faith, uh, his healing dropping and rising again, just I don't know. Okay, so what he's just done is he's quickly gone from the revelation. Something's highlighted to him. He's seen something, and it stood out. So this is what happens to you. You see somebody, you know when you look in a crowd and a person just stands out to you, either because of what they're wearing or just something about that person stands out? Okay. That, people, is your first sign. God's wanting to speak to you, to them. It's called revelation. It's called God's going, hey. Check them out. Now we're supposed to stop. Now we're supposed to go, okay, God, what is it? Let's listen. Let's ask a question. So now Glenn's taken that, and he's gone, oh, okay, and he's gone with it. So he's taken, and he's now delivered what we call the word of knowledge, which is now starting to interpret the word. So for Derek, Derek, so this word is for your son, right, obviously. But do you think it applies to anybody else? So Ethan represents... um those who are afflicted with something that they don't believe they can overcome. I don't see or see any pictures of any individuals. All that I do know is that there are people who believe that they don't, because that's Ethan's belief, he doesn't believe that God can heal him. Um, So I think the application of that is there are people who don't believe, but that one day they will stand here and express that. Okay, so is there anybody here who feels like, and this is how you can do it, I'm teaching now, this is how we can apply what God's given us. So anybody here today, so Ethan is his, is his son of promise, is his inheritance, where you feel like the promises of God have died and you don't have the faith. But what through Derek's word is saying is that he is saying the application of that is that God is promising one day his son will be here and he'll see the fruit of that promise. So is there anybody here today who feels like that applies to you? Maybe it's Quinton. So just you stand up. Yeah. Doesn't believe that God can. All right, just stay there for now. All right, Warren. So <laughs> it's going to become a. I'm just going to call you Warren from now. I don't even know why Warren. <laughs> okay, please. Hey, Warren means defender. Okay, well, that is your gifting. Oh, I can't read that. Wait, hang on, hang on, hang on. 
It's just like little tiny lambs. All right, number 18. Okay. Yeah, you read it. Because you're going to apply this now. I have to see it now. No. <laughs> see, yeah. prophetic is about being humbled, people. It's not about us. I can't see. Okay, I'll read it. Okay, yeah, I can see it. Can you? Alpha and Omega 18. Uh, Alpha and Omega 18, 18 as such. 18 means judgment by the word of God or judgment by division. I don't know. Uh. Okay. Your, um, all right. 18 also can be broken down into 10 and 8. Okay? 10 is completion, from what I understand. 8 is new beginnings. Okay, so, is there anybody now who believes they're in a transition um, timing where things are coming to an end, completion, and new beginnings are started? I think the whole of Lifehouse Church probably we should stand. So stand. This is for you. All right, so, you're going to now pray, and you're going to now speak prophetically into the destiny for what those things mean. Okay, so it applies to you. And it applies to them. <laughs> so there's a bit of history to this. So I was atheist and I was a hardcore atheist. I didn't believe in God. I used to strip out of drugs. It was hardcore. So God is the worst thing for me because he would, you know, touch my lifestyle. And then somebody showed me the truth about the center of the word of God. And there's 66 chapters, uh, books in the, the word of God. There's 40 authors. None of them collaborated. They all wrote their testimonies as testament. And they're basically declaring that if I'm lying, you're going to castrate me. That's what testimony means. And it just turns out that the center, the shortest chapter in the Bible is Psalm 117. The longest is Psalm 119. The central chapter is Psalm 118. If you add them all up and you have to use algorithms and computers to do this, there's an equal number of verses before Psalm 118 verse 8. And there's an equal number of verses from Psalm 118. 8 verse 9 to Revelation 22, and it's 594 plus 594, okay? So many chapters there are before Psalm 118. If you add them together, it's 1188. And the central chapter of the Bible is Psalm 118, equal number of chapters before and after. The central verse of the Bible is verse 8 of Psalm 118, which says, it is better to put your faith in God than to put your faith in man. Amen. And that triggered me to go to church. I was like, okay, I'm done. And the Holy Spirit just took me down. So it is now, and Dale was driving the car with the 18 that pulled in front of us this morning, and Sandra pointed is another 18. There's been about 150 at least, I counted, just the last three days alone, of 88, 28, and 18 driving in front of me. And it's, I get used to it, but it's not something I want to get used to. So now we want to speak those words. What yeah. that mean? So Father, I just thank you, Lord, for new beginnings for... Yes. Every one of us in this, in this home, Lord, every one of us in this house, everyone representing this home, every family, Father, we thank you for new beginnings, Lord. We thank you for no more lack. We thank you for no more uh, beggars can be choosers. And I forgive my Father for teaching me that horrible phrase. We declare, Father, we are mighty in you, Lord. We are seated at your right hand. We cannot be cursed. Father, we are your children. You've given us your right, Lord. I'm seated at the right hand of Jesus Christ. How can I have anything against me? How can the enemy touch me? He cannot. He cannot. I do not give him authority. I do not give him anything that he can have, Father. And I just declare safety and protection over every single one of us in this church and our minds and our thoughts. When negative thoughts come, we take them captive and we cast them back to the pits of hell where they come from, Father. I speak against it, every Luciferian spirit that will try to come against the families in this home, every demonic thing that will try to come against us. You have no power. You have no authority. You're power is broken. You have no authority, so I can't break that, but I break your power. And I break the power of Lucifer over anyone in this place, Father. We thank you that we are in you, Lord. And greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world, Father God. You have destined us to be great things. You have destined us for people to come up and say, what is different about you? I want what you have. Why are you going through this yet you're still smiling and you're happy? And Paul is an embodiment of that for me. I just thank you, Father, for this home, the new beginnings, Father, for cancellation of debt, cancellation of fear, cancellation of sickness father we just take all those things captive in the name of jesus christ not by might nor by strength zechariah 4 verse 6 it's by the spirit of god although the tongue is the most powerful muscle in the human body it can speak life and it can speak death 
I thank you, Father, that Louise's eyes aren't getting worse. They're getting better. I thank you, Father God, that everyone in this home, Father, can speak their own life, can speak their own truth. And if we have bad habits where we say, I'm bad at this, I'm bad at that, I've started going, I used to be bad at that. And now I'm not bad at those things anymore, and that's a fact. So, Father, I just thank you for your power and your love and your grace and for giving Louise this word this morning, Father, for Derek's word this morning, just for the words we had in the prayer meeting of the angelic presence in each one of us, Father. We thank you, Lord God, that today, from today, this date, things will change. People will start to see what they speak and they declare manifesting in truth and in power. And we thank you, Father God, that this will come to pass because you've told us, Lord, you've given us a creation power. You breathe your breath into our lungs and that is a creator's breath. We speak to plants, they will thrive. We speak to people, they will thrive. We speak to children, they will thrive. We will not speak death over ourselves. We will not speak death over each other. In the name of Jesus Christ. And Father, I thank you for Quinton. We thank you for that little boy, Lord. We thank you for the nurses there, the doctors, the surgeons. We thank you for that ward to be filled with your presence. There will be an aroma of your spirit in that place, Father. When the angels are ministering to that little boy, as he heals, as he grows, and he's older, he may have scars. People are going to say, what happened? I'm saying, sit down and let me tell you a story about how the devil tried to take me up, but he couldn't. Because people were praying and families were praying. And we thank you, Father, for that little boy. He's going to walk out of that hospital. He's not going to go out in a wheelchair. He's going to walk. We thank you for his family. We thank you for just the mom and the dad and any guilt. We cancel that in the name of Jesus Christ. We thank you, Father, for that family, Lord. We speak your life into that dad. That he will know that his father is a good father. And we thank you for this man who is so faithful. That he keeps praying. He keeps standing. He keeps giving. And he keeps standing with his friend. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Thanks, Howard. Got it right. Okay. So I think a further revelation is that um, my two older boys, who are 29 and 27, are really great Christians. Um, They've got such a childlike belief in God. Ethan doesn't. And part of it is because in a conversation with him, he explained to us that um, he's been prayed for so often and he fell over because it's what people seem to do and it would stop them praying for him. So he's turned his back on God and maybe that's why I'm here. That today I represent those parents whose children do not believe in, in Jesus and aren't walking with Jesus. So... Are there anybody here that associates? So if all your children are serving God, but those who don't, okay. So Lord Jesus, my prayer is today that the revelation of your sweet grace, Lord, is seen and experienced, and I don't know how. I don't know in which way that our kids who don't believe will experience your presence. And for some it will be a mighty roar, and for some it will be a soft nudge And I really don't know how they will experience it, Lord, but I pray that you will give us, as their parents, the revelation of how it is that we need to touch them, speak to them, pray for them, so that they too will understand the great blessing that it is to come before you and just be at your feet. So Lord, I pray that all of us, all parents, whether our children believe or not, that all of us, Lord Jesus, will understand where they're at, that you will reveal to us, Lord Jesus. We thank you 
that you are revealing to us how to speak to them, how to pray for them, and how to bring our children to you, not through force, but through gentle prayer. Thank you, Jesus. And we thank you for the vision that you've given, Derek, that that picture, that promise of hope, that all the children will be that where they come and they will be before you, Father. They will be involved in the community and they will come back to where they belong. So we declare that, that promises to be fulfilled now. And we pull down that content of that vision over our families and over our children right now in Jesus' name. Um, so yeah, so just going off from what I saw earlier, what I'd mentioned, um, and tying in not with Warren Howard, um, just tying in with what he had prayed over Quentin and Quentin's dad. I think what I saw there just is a lot for Quentin's dad, because as a father to three kids, as many of you have got children, when your kid is in a situation like that, you give up because you've tried everything, and you walk away, and you're at your weakest. And you don't want to hear, you've said it, he doesn't want to hear about God or what he can do. But when I saw the ease of how a bird drops, but it can suit back up, I'm praying now that Quentin's dad swoops high. And he swoops high on wings that will carry him and give him light and vision. And it's going to take a while, but if it takes five years, it's going to take him five years, but it's going to get there. And Quentin is a fighter. We've heard your testimony, Justin. And we've got to just keep praying, praying and praying and praying. And that little boy, whether it's full restoration or it's a healing, but he survives and he continues to fight. And it's through your faith, Justin, I think it pulls us together in prayer with you and for that family. And I can only pray for that healing for Quentin and for his father. Okay. Sure, God, we just thank you for your presence. We thank you for your spirit that's with us, Lord. And And as we end this meeting today, we don't want to leave, Father. We don't want to leave your presence. But I just see clouds gathering. And Lord, as we go, will we just follow your cloud by day and follow your fire by night? And Lord, we just know that any new life begins with rain. And as the clouds gather, Lord, we will just stand in your rain and stand under your rain throughout this week. We take your presence with us. We're your temples. It's what we were made for. We're designed for this. Sure. Amen.